Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Stacy Hall, and I am thrilled that you are here with me today for another episode of Creating a World That Works for All, our podcast series featuring wisdompreneurs, thought leaders, change agents who have much, much insight into the strange world we live living in these days. And today, that special guest is a very long and dear friend of mine, Sharon Jordan Evans. I consider it an honor to be in her space because she's a true pioneer in the field of employee retention and engagement. Long before it was cool to take care of your employees, Sharon was teaching people how to do that. And she's known as a prominent speaker throughout all the Fortune 500 companies. She's an executive coach to the leaders of these organizations, and she has a master's degree in organization development that she's earned but has gone so far beyond what they teach in theory. She's also co-authored two Wall Street Journal bestsellers. The first is Love Them or Lose Them getting good people to stay. And it's considered the most best-selling employee retention book. In other words, most read and best-selling book on employee retention. And her second co-authored book is Love It, Don't Leave It, 26 Ways to Get What You Want at Work. So this is, of course, for the employees of those organizations to figure out how they can ask for what they want and actually get it. And her latest book, Hello, Stay, Interviews, Goodbye, Talent Loss. So Hello, Stay, Interviews, Goodbye, Talent Loss was published in 2015. She's going to tell us more about all of these books. But first, Sharon, hello. Hello, Stacy. I'm so glad to have this chance to talk with you. I. It's always a thrill for me, so I'm I'm glad you feel that way too. And inside of the series, A World That Works for All, that was inspired by Bear Kohler Publishers and their commitment to the world to bring forth thought leaders and change agents, your books are published by Bear Kohler. Why do you think they fit with Bear Kohler's mission of creating a world that works for all? Well, here's the link as I see it, Stacey. Uh, I feel like a world that works for all has to include the world of work, since we spend so much time in the world of work. Uh, so that includes the places we work, whether they're brick and mortar or virtual. And also it includes the people with whom we work, and that's including those who lead us or manage us. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but studies, one study found 
found that 50% of workplace satisfaction depends on the relationship one has with the boss. And the conference board once said, actually some time ago, said uh, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. So we know that managers matter a great deal. We've written two books that are designed to help managers become better leaders, and a third book, uh, the Levitt book, to help the workers you know, that need to move the needle on their own job satisfaction. And my thinking is, when we accomplish both of these things, uh, meaning satisfied, better satisfied workers and more effective managers, we're going to end up with kinder, gentler, happier, more effective workplaces. And of course, then that will contribute to the world that works for all. So how's that for a link? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that, is, that is it in a nutshell, and it's everything. It's fantastic. All right, I have known you all the way back to the first book, Love Them or Lose Them. Love that book, share that book, still read that book. What is it that had you decide to write that book before anyone else was talking about love, love, loving on your employees? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, actually, it was a client engagement that got me going with this idea. I co-authored it with Beverly Kay. I took her the idea based on this employee gig where they wanted me to help them figure out how to hang on to a group of very talented people from uh, several different parts of the organization who were managing an SAP uh, project, and they were concerned about losing them because a lot of people trained up in a specialty do in fact get pulled away to some other opportunity even before the project goes live. So long story behind how the project went, it all ended up good. But what I, what I realized is in the midst of it that managers had so much more to do with figuring out and then actually engaging and retaining talent than HR did, that it was more up to them, that they had more power and influence in the equation uh, than they imagined. Uh, and so I went to Bev and said, why don't we write an employee employee retention? It was retention then. We didn't. The word engagement hadn't come on the scene yet. So this was in 97. And I said, why don't we write a book um, on employee retention? And this book isn't for HR professionals, although they will, I hope, like it. But this <laughs> book is written to the manager. And there is no book out there written to the manager. So that's kind of how it all came to be. And oh, by the way, she's she's we're good friends. She said to me, "What do we know about that?" And I said, "Wait a minute. Between the two of us, we've been around 50 some years. I think we know something about this." So anyway, that was what launched the whole idea to write the book Love Them. So the first edition came out in '99, and of course, we're five editions into it now at this point. Yeah. Fantastic. All around the world, people are still using these tools. So let's talk about the tools. Um, I personally, when your book came out, it made such a difference for me, made an impact on me. Because having been a manager in a few Fortune 500 companies and knowing full well that people stayed or left depending upon whether they liked having me as a manager or not. By the time I met you, I was out on my own being a coach. It, it, it helped me put in perspective what I had been doing well and what I could have done perhaps better. So 
Um, what are some of the tools that you think people are using 100%? Like they read the book and they're like, thank you, Sharon. This is what I was waiting for. I, you know, I wish I had two answers because that would be so simple. Um, it's, I think because people are so unique in, in their needs and their wants and their interests, um, if you interviewed 20 people, they might have 20 different tools from the book that they said were their favorites. But I'll make a stab at it anyway. So I, okay. do, know, I do know that the most popular tool and the most important tool in the book comes right out of the first chapter, which is about asking. And that's the stay interview, which we're going to touch on in a few minutes. And I'll describe what is a stay interview, why do we do it, why does it work, how does it work, why aren't managers doing it, uh, but it is absolutely key, and it is foundational, really, to all engagement and retention efforts, because it helps you uncover and discover what it is that will ring this person's chimes, what he or she really wants and needs from the workplace, and oftentimes we just guess at that. So anyway, I will come circling back to that one when you talk about stay interview. Another tool, though, that has been provocative, not always the favorite, um, but very provocative, comes from the space chapter, which is really about giving people elbow room or a longer leash or more flexibility. And we talk about inner and outer space, so the inner space is, is more about the mental and emotional space your employees want and need so they can be creative um, and productive and so on. So that's a chance to manage one's own time, to work and think in new ways, et cetera. Then there's the outer space, and that refers to the physical world and especially to the employee's work environment. So that includes space you know, to uh, design their own work area, to work from different places maybe, to take a break from work perhaps, to dress as they wish, and so on. So a tool we have in that chapter is a quiz, a space quiz, and it's um, you know it's a, an insight tool. So people just take this quiz about themselves, and they're asked to imagine that their talented employees come to them with these crazy, some of them crazy requests, and try to imagine if you as a manager would say, sure, no problem, I can give you that, or no way, which kind of shuts everything down, or let's look into that, let's see. So a good example is a request for personal reasons. I want to come in one half hour earlier and leave an hour earlier three days a week. And then you think about what would I say if I'm a manager? Okay, let's see. Another one makes a request to bring his well-behaved dog to work with him. So again, you think, uh, what's your reaction? And, you know, some people are going to say, no way, absolutely no way. So that's the, that's the insight tool that allows people to begin to think about how restrictive are they, how flexible are they, how curious are they about what their employees want and maybe even need in order to stay engaged and on the job. Uh, then, of course, there's always the popular jerk chapter, and it's not just called jerk, it's called jerk colon don't be one, and that's the strategy. And this chapter is not about labeling people, by the way, but again, it offers up an insight tool for people who really assume it's always the other guy, that they don't have any jerk-like behaviors themselves. So it asks them to take a look at a, a list 
of 50 jerk-like behaviors and, and see if they ever accidentally exhibit any of these, like withholding praise or micromanaging or condescending or having a sloppy mood um, or failing to listen, those kinds of things. So people seem to love the tools, the stories, the humor, et cetera, in the book, um, and these are just a few. Yeah, I can only imagine <laughs> the conversations that go on in some companies. Like, you're acting like a jerk, yeah, right. and Sharon said so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. By the way, I tell them, I say, you know, if, if you aren't sure how to find out if you are the jerk, what you could do is pull together a bunch of your friends at work, ask them to take this little quiz in the book, and give you their feedback. And then, I, I'm, this is in front of an audience, and then I say, oh, and by the way, if you don't have any friends at work, then there's a clue for your clue bag. And of course, <laughs> people get a kick out of that. And we try to even have fun with this chapter, by the way. It's the only chapter that might have a bit of a dark connotation, and it doesn't. And so it's, it's pretty light, but it does, you know, let's face it, people will not stay and work for a jerk. They, they will move on. Maybe, maybe they used to 20, 30 years ago, but not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> well, you kept teasing us by telling us you were going to circle around to talk about stay interviews. And for people who may not have heard this term before, I want to make sure that they know it's stay, S-T-A-Y, interviews. Sharon, what's a stay interview? Yeah. Okay, so we <laughs> this also came out of that same client engagement I spoke about that started the book Love Them. Um, and, and we came up with that um, idea and coined the term Bev and I um, when we suggested to, to managers that they do this outrageous thing, that they sit their talented individual down, the one they were afraid was going to bolt, the one they cannot afford to lose, that they sit this person down and say things like this, Stacy, you matter a lot to me. I'm not sure if I tell you that often enough, but I can't imagine losing you. So I'd like to know what will keep you here. And I'd also like to know what could entice you away. How simple is that, right? How simple. And you ask a room full of like 400 people, how many of you have had a boss do almost exactly that? And do you know how many hands will go up? Zero. Maybe, maybe two. Four at the most. Four or five hands go up. And you're saying, okay, why is that? And, of course, you know they're going to start shouting out fear. I don't want to ask them that. What if I can't deliver, right? So, anyway, let me back up and give you the definition that Bev and I came up with for a stay interview. And, by the way, if you conduct stay interviews, you won't conduct nearly as many exit interviews. So that's kind of how we came up with the term. But it is a conversation between a manager and a valued employee. It's an opportunity to learn more about that employee and to show you care. It's a chance to find out what might keep this employee in the organization or on the team. It's a chat that causes employees to feel highly valued. And it's a process found most effective when it's repeated often. That's the definition of the stay interview. But people are afraid. They're afraid to conduct it. So we give them uh, some workarounds, if you will. We give them an easy, simple, four-step approach to dealing with a request that you can't deliver or at least you think you can't deliver on. 
<laughs> well, same. I'm hanging on my on your every word on the edge of my seat. Give us an example. Okay, so I'll give you an example, and then I'll tell you a true story about this. Actually, I mean there are hundreds of true stories, so I'll give you one of those uh, true stories. Basically, there's no downside to conducting a sting interview, even though managers are afraid to do it. There really is not a downside. Um, they're afraid of doing it because they're afraid of opening Pandora's box. What if I ask you, Stacy, what would keep you here, and you say a brand new Tesla, or you know, a promotion will do it, or a giant raise will do it? Because that's those are the real tangible things that are scary. So here's the four-step approach to dealing with a request that you're not sure you can deliver on and you get all nervous. First, you acknowledge the request. So let's say that you asked me for uh, a Tesla. You know what a Tesla is, right? <laughs> Does everybody know what a Tesla yes, is? Yes, yes. It's a gorgeous car. Cars. <laughs> One of those fancy, expensive cars. Um, exactly. Yeah. Go for it. So what I would say is um, I, I might chuckle a little bit and say, Stacy, you are worth that and more. I'd love to just get you a Tesla and have it in your driveway by tomorrow. Um, then, step number two, you tell the truth. What are the obstacles you face? Um, one of the obstacles I face, Stacy, in getting you your Tesla is we've had recent budget cuts. Then, third, you say that you show that you care enough to explore this, to go looking into it. So I say to you, but Stacy, I hear your request, and I'm serious about I'm going to look into it for you. So I'm going to go talk to you know, my HR partner. I'm also going to talk to my manager. I'm going to run this up the flagpole. Let's meet next Friday and see what I find out. Because if it's not this, then what? If it's not now, then when? You know, yes. And then the final thing, step four, is I ask, what else? So then I say to you, Stacey, okay, in the meanwhile, while I'm looking into this, what else matters to you? What else will keep you here? And, and if at first, you know, you're like blank, or, or if you say there's nothing else that matters but money, um, frankly, the boss is in trouble because there will always be a higher bidder. And if that's all that keeps that employee there, you, you truly are in hot water. But here's what, what we see, and here's what we've known now after 20 years of doing stay interviews. Almost everybody has something else. So you could even say, for example, what do you want to learn this year? And if your employee says, I don't want to learn anything, well, then that's scary too, frankly. That, is that the employee that you want and need, really? Someone who doesn't want to learn anything? Keep asking, what else? Tell me what else. Tell me what else. Try to get a list of things from them that they want that maybe they've never mentioned before because you never asked before. If you keep asking what else, eventually that person is going to mention something that you can do something so let me give you a quick story to illustrate. Charlie was the boss. Ken uh, was the employee. Charlie decided, <laughs> and, he, and I was coaching him, and I told him, you're going to love stay interviews. You just are going to love these. So he calls Ken in, and he tells Ken, hey, you matter to me a lot. You, you are a fantastic member of my team. I want to know what will keep you here, and I want to know what could entice you away. And Ken said, well, wow, thanks for that input. That makes me feel great. And actually, I would kind of like a raise because often that's where people go. Anyway, he did. Ken said, I would kind of like a raise. And Charlie said, okay, do you have an idea about how much? What are you looking for? And Ken said, you know, maybe. 
bonus of some sort. And so, sure enough, Charlie used his fourth step. He acknowledged the request. He said, Ken, you are, you are a high flyer. You know, I count on you. So you are worth that and more. So next, the obstacles. Um, yeah, we do have some tightening of belts around here. So I'm going to need to run that up the flagpole. I'm going to talk to my boss and, and whoever else. Let's talk next week and let me share with you what I'm learning. Um, and we'll keep working on that because I hear you and you deserve it. Meanwhile, Ken, what else? And here's what Ken said, which absolutely blew Charlie away. Ken said, well, you know, I really would like exposure to the senior team. I'd like to understand how they work. I aspire to move up in the organization, and I'm too far removed from them. They don't even know who I am. I'm just another guy down in the plants. They don't know who I am. Would it be possible, he said to his boss, would it be possible for me to go with you sometime to a staff meeting just so I could observe and so that they could observe me, get to know me a little bit? Charlie said, well, I'm going to double check. I'm sure the answer is yes. Let me make sure that's the case. And sure enough, they said, well, sure, that's great. Wow, he sounds like an ambitious guy. Bring him on in. Charlie was absolutely floored that it was that easy. Ken was ecstatic. And it was the thing he actually wanted more than the 5% raise. He wanted that visibility. Of course, now you fast forward a few years, and sure enough, he was promoted, and he did get his raise. So there's an example of, of exactly how you do a stay interview, what you do when someone tosses you something you don't know if you can deliver on, the four steps, and um, always you're going to find something you can deliver on at least this round. And of course, stay interviews are not a one-time thing. So you do repeat them often with your talented employees. Karen, um, as we're, I mean, that was fascinating. I want to say that first. I appreciate the fact that you, you shared that with us. We're starting to get towards the end of our interview today. I would love it if you would repeat the four steps. Absolutely. So step number one, acknowledge the request. Add in more to me. Um, step number two is to tell the truth about the obstacles. Yep, we've had some recent budget cuts. So this could be challenging. The timing of it especially could be challenging. Number three, show you care enough to explore, to find out, you know, to kind of stand up for this person. Go chat with somebody about it. And the step number four is ask what else. And that's your magic question. That's the one that gets people thinking, ah, well, what else does matter? What, what else would I like? Very often, by the way, it is about learning something new. It doesn't always mean a class. You don't have to send them off to class. They might learn something new from the guy three cubes down, and you might be the matchmaker in that. Does that help? Sharon, that's perfect. I wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to know those four steps. And then this, this four-step process is, is explained, I guess, more deeply in your book, Hello, yes. Stay Interviews, Goodbye, Talent Loss. Exactly, and some examples are given, and you know, there's all kinds, there's a chapter just about the fear uh, and how to face your fear, depending on what that fear is made up of. Uh, so we've got, we've got a variety of chapters for people to read that will help them deal with whatever is going on. 
the other thing, there's a chapter even on how to tell if somebody is about to jump ship, you know, what can you, are, if their heart's not in it or the thrill is gone or they've definitely quit and stayed. Um, so it's how do you identify some of those things. And, um, and, and it's the final chapter is does practice make perfect? And it helps you figure out how you might practice some of this and where you might start. Um, so, yeah, it's a very quick, easy read. And yet it fleshes out that topic of the stay interview that is touched on in the first chapter of Love Them or Lose Them. Fantastic. Both books really written for managers who choose to care. Because as we know, people don't remember what we say to them. They only remember how they feel after they've been with us, right? So that's a really good point. Stacey, and, and that's one of the, the, kind of the magic things about the stay interview. When I've asked our audience, you know, how many of you had that happen, and only four hands go up, I say, how'd it feel? And they go, great. And another one went, fantastic, I felt valued. And then one guy was raising his hand, and I called on him, and he said, well, Sharon, it felt a little late. It was in the exit interview. <laughs> I thought, yeah. oh, how sad but true. We sometimes don't ask people, what will keep you here? We don't want to lose you. We sometimes don't ask them that ever until the exit interview. So, you know, it's do it now. And you know what? It's just like parents with children. If our parents didn't do it and nobody taught us, we tend to teach our kids the same way. And it's just self-fulfilling. Right. So I... How do people get your book, number one? Number two, if they go to your website for more information, what are they going to find there? Okay. So first of all, they can get my books either through Barrett Kohler, um, that works, or Amazon, uh, or their local bookstore. And you will there. So any of those places are great. And if you go to, I would love it if you went to my website. It's www jeg.org that stands for Jordan Evans Group org and if you go there um, you'll get a sense of, of my coaching you'll get a feel for my keynote speeches and what I do in that regard um, you'll have uh, you'll get to see book layout a little bit and more information about the books that Bev and I have co-authored um, and you'll see a little video actually a short uh, video of my giving a talk and the audience laughing. And so um, I invite you to do that. That would be great. Hey, beautiful. One more time, the website, and then I'll talk about Barrett Kohler a little bit. Okay. The website is www.jeg.org. Jordan Evans Group is what it stands for, jeg.org. Okay, and I bet there's a link to your books on your website. Okay. I would suspect that would be the truth. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> All right. And Barrett Kohler Publishers, for those of you who aren't familiar with BK, as it's better known, is an amazing independent publisher with the mission of connecting people and ideas to create a world that works for us all. I'm very honored that the very first book I wrote was published by Barrett Kohler and is still one of their good, good, great sellers 15 years later. It's called Attracting Perfect Customers, The Power of Strategic Synchronicity. To learn more about Barrett Kohler Publishers, go to 
B for boy, K for kite, connection.com, bkconnection.com to learn all about its fabulous stable of wisdompreneurs, thought leaders, change agents, and just all around great people who desire to make contributions to our world. Sharon, it has been a pure joy to chat with you as it always is. It's amazing to me how quickly our time goes by. And I thank you for being with us. May you continue to have many, many, many more years of successful support of organizations operating in the best interest of their employees. Thank you so much, Stacey. It has been really a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so much, too. All right, everyone. Thank you. We'll talk with you soon on our next episode of Creating a World That Works for All. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.